Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbard. And I'm Courtney Bronze. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. Well, spring is here. Uh, well, at least the calendar says spring is here, right? I don't know. The past couple days have been pretty brutal, actually. Um, but still, I know if you're anything like me, you're still thinking about planting some trees or maybe surveying your land for species that have done well. Um, and that brings us to today's topic. So we want to talk about a tree that did particularly well a hundred years ago, but has virtually disappeared from the Appalachian landscape. Today we're talking about the American chestnut. And I really want to start by reading a narrative that I found on the USDA website. I think it really gives us a, a good picture of this majestic tree. So here it goes. Um, so they say, sometimes reaching a height of more than 100 feet tall with trunk diameters often well over 10 feet. Let me just pause there for a second. And I can't even imagine uh, trees, you know, that large, um, 100 feet tall, but like a width of 10 feet. Um, that's like somewhere around your average car, I would think. Yeah, it's a big tree. Yeah. So the American chestnut was a giant of the eastern U.S. forests. There were once billions of them, and their range stretched from Georgia to Alabama, all the way to Michigan. But this majestic tree was gone before forest science existed to document its role in the ecosystem. So let's get into a little bit of the story of the American chestnut. Um, its scientific name is Castania dentata, and it was a tree species, like Dawn said, that had once thrived in the forests of eastern North America. The tree actually helped early settlers survive on the land, so it was best known for its wood and the large quantity of nuts it produced. And these nuts were an important source of food for humans, livestock, and wildlife. And the trees grew fast, straight, and tall, so it really made them a highly sought-after source of wood. So these early settlers made it into everything from log cabins to musical instruments, and it also had a really strong resistance to decay, so it was a great choice for fence posts, mine timbers, telegraph poles, and railroad ties. It also made great lump charcoal for firing iron furnaces. So it's estimated that nearly half of the monetary value of the forest in Pennsylvania was in the wood of American chestnut trees. And the bark of the chestnut trees was also a very valuable resource. It was rich in tannic acid. So tannic acid is what's used to soften and darken leather. So back in those times, tanneries were one of the major industries in the country. All right, so let's talk about what happened. Um, and around, it was 1904, the demise of the American chestnut tree began. Uh, a blight was discovered, and it was discovered in New York Botanical Garden, right there in the city of New York. Um, so we could stop here for a minute and we could talk about what blight is. So blight, it's simply a disease that kills the leaves, the flowers, and the stems of the plant. It's believed that the chestnut blight may have come into the country from Asia. So at the time the blight was discovered, not many people realized how serious it was going to be. And unfortunately, it spread really rapidly by wind, rain, even on the feet of birds. Um, and what the blight did was it caused swollen or sunken wounds called cankers. And you could find them right on the tree trunks and the branches. And the cankers eventually killed the upper portions of the tree. Um, it was said that trees typically died within two years of contracting 
the blight. So it was a really quick spreader. And um, the roots of the trees, they seem to kind of hang on in some instances. So once the blight started spreading, there really was no stopping it. it spread in all directions. Um, state and federal governments made many effort to control and stop the spread, but it didn't work. And unlike the Asian chestnuts, the American chestnut trees had no natural resistance to the blight. So by the mid-1920s, the disease was rapidly spreading throughout the Appalachian Mountains. And by the 1950s, the American chestnut was wiped out throughout its entire range. So it's been said that in the first 40 years of the 20th century, the blight destroyed 3.5 billion American chestnut trees. If you stop and think about that for a minute, that's a lot of trees. Yeah, that's, that's mind-blowing. So what had been the most important tree in our eastern forest was reduced to insignificance. In history, there's really been no comparable devastation of a species. So after all the chestnut trees were wiped out, new stump sprouts came up and began to grow again, only to be wiped out by the blight once again. Fortunately, the wood with these trees is rot resistant, so it was able to be used for many years after the tree died. If you've ever heard of wormy chestnut, it's a wood still used today. This actually came from the chestnut trees that had died and then been victim to insect attacks before the wood could be harvested. So with all the sad news about chestnuts dying, uh, we wanted to finish the program by mentioning the fact that there is some hope. There's a glimmer of hope. So um, we live in an age where science really has played a big role in reestablishing the, the magnificent giants that were once covering the forest of the Northeast. So really one of the most substantial advancements thus far in the reestablishment of the chestnut is the American Chestnut Foundation. And they've been breeding for genetic resistance to the blight, uh, but they don't really stop there. They're also using other techniques such as what they've coined as three burr. And that's a combination of breeding, biotechnology, and biocontrol. I'm not going to get hung up on exploring all of these specific aspects, but would really like to mention that the ACF is looking for your help. And as it turns out, we still have potential chestnuts with some sort of resistance. Uh, that being said, they might be on your property. And if they're on your property, uh, you should really get a hold of this particular foundation because they're looking for any trees that are producing nuts or are strong enough to produce new shoots and that could be used in the grafting process or um, by pre replanting those trees that are resistant um, and so they have a specific orchard just for that sake so if you're interested in contacting ACF uh, because you believe you have some blight resistant chestnuts on your property I'm going to give you the email to get a hold of them. So the email is the word chestnut, that's C-H-E-S-T-N-U-T, at acf.org. Um, fairly easy to find online if you are really interested in doing it, or we'll have that same email address on our Conservation Corner webpage. So there's another similar effort by the American Chestnut Cooperators Foundation, or the ACCF, and they're working to progress the reestablishment of the American Chestnut. So the principal objective of the ACCF is to raise funds to support graduate and undergraduate student research projects in Virginia Tech's Department of Plant Pathology, Physiology, and Weed Science. 
and Concord College in West Virginia. So this research makes possible their seedling and nut distributions for American chestnut restoration. Priorities include the development of blight-resistant all-American chestnuts and economical biological control measures against chestnut blight in the forest environment. Yeah, so one final note I wanted to mention is uh, a lot of people already know about this particular species, but it's the Dunstan chestnut. Uh, just to back up, I'll tell you where it started. So early 1950s, a gentleman by the name of James Carpenter, who's from Ohio, uh, he discovered a large living American chestnut in a grove of dead and dying trees. So it really stood out. It showed no evidence of the blight infection. Uh, so he did some tests, some studies on it. He inoculated a tree with an active blight spores and mycelia. Uh, but guess what? The tree still lived. So um, what he did was through a series of cross-pollination grafting, uh, we have what's now called the Dunstan chestnut. And um, it's a hybrid species because he also did some genetic crossing with uh, a Chinese chestnut. Um, but it has become a really viable chestnut, um, which they're trying to reestablish here in the East. So uh, there's opportunities to buy that specific species and uh, definitely, you know, find it and plant it. With all these options available for viable chestnuts, our hope is that future generations will once again see this amazing species. Well, just like usual, we have some events we'd like to mention. So the first one is at Salt Springs State Park. They're doing an owl prowl night hike. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah, it does. It's this Friday, um, April 1st at 7.30. So that's tomorrow. So environmental education specialist Tony DeSantis will discuss local owls. And then he'll lead a 1.5 mile hike in hopes of hearing some of the owls. So the fee is $5 and it's free for members and kids. All right, so the other event we'd like to mention is actually being put on by the Conservation District, and it's the Strucka Creek Fishing Outing. And um, the attendees are invited to participate in a couple hours of evening fishing right there on Strucka Creek and uh, be fishing for whatever's biting. At the beginning of the event, attendees can gather around district staff. It'll be uh, Watershed Specialist Nate Harpster and uh, Ag Specialist Chris Santor. Uh, they'll be out there and they'll be giving a brief summary of their experiences on Strucka Creek and uh, also a little bit about the conservation district. And uh, if you have any questions, you can ask them as well. So some directions to the actual site. They're going to be using the rail trail access parking area located outside of Lanesboro, PA. Uh, if you want to plug in your GPS, uh, you can use that and put in 1180. Viaduct Street, Lanesboro, PA. Uh, zip code is 18847. Or you can just contact the Conservation District. So because Strucka Creek is a stock trout stream, uh, you need to have a valid 2022 fishing license with a trout stamp if you're participating in fishing activities. All right, so the date for this event is Saturday, April 9th from 4 to 7.30 p.m. And the rain date uh, is April 30th from 4 to 7.30 p.m. So if you have any questions, like I said, contact the Conservation District. Um, we can give you some more details if you have any questions. Well, I guess that does it for today's show. If you have questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, 
you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org, and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and ask questions or make comments about the show. You've been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Bronze. And I'm Don Hibbard saying enjoy the outdoors. <laughs>